Morning Drive on FM 96.3 and AM 620. WVMT. Welcome back to the Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here on this Tuesday morning. And joining us online now is Dr. Brian Urkula. And Dr. Urkula is going to talk to us about, he just gave some testimony in the Capitol uh, about uh, flavored tobacco and vaping. Uh, Good morning, Dr. Urkula. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. So before we get into your testimony in front of the the Legislative Committee, uh, tell us about yourself. And, and what you do and I know you and how you sort of have are an expert on this issue. Sure. Um, so my name is Dr. Brian Urkula. Um, I'm a neuroscientist by training. Um, right now I'm the director of regulatory science at Swedish Match. But before that, um, I've held positions at the National Institutes of Health, the NIH, um, as well as the Food and Drug Administration. Um, so, you know. I've been looking at nicotine and tobacco for over 20 years. Okay, and then you ju- you t- testified just the other day in front of the legislative committee that's dealing with this, correct? Yeah. Uh, last week I testified on S18, which is a bill to uh, ban flavored tobacco products in the state. All right, and let's start out with, if you could tell our listeners, looking at your testimony, um, reading through it, what is, what is ZYN? <laughs> yeah, so ZYN. So Zin is a, a product that, that uh, my company markets. Um, it's a tobacco leaf-free, uh, spit-free nicotine pouch. So basically it's made up of only, um, say, food-grade ingredients, pharmaceutical-grade nicotine, and then a plant-based pouch. So it's designed and only marketed to adults who are over 21 and are already tobacco or nicotine consumers. Right, so you just put it in your upper lip, you leave it there for about half an hour, and then you throw it away. So, um, you know, if we think about tobacco products, they exist on kind of a continuum of risk, right? With combusted cigarettes, the ones we know being the most harmful by far, and then other products like um, vape, heat not burn, smokeless tobacco, and these nicotine pouches being much, much, much safer. And is that, is Zen used a lot? Yeah, so, I mean, Zin, we, it's been on the market for about 10 years now in the United States, um, and we've seen lots and lots of people who are smokers uh, transition away. And when they move away from, say, a combusted cigarette to something like Zin, um, they really reduce, you know, the exposure that they're getting from, you know, say, their smoking habit. Okay, and then, Dr. Urkla, I know that when we talk about flavored tobacco or nicotine products, under a, understandably, underage use always comes up, and people are concerned. Should we be concerned about these products getting into the hands of of underage uh, youth? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we believe that no one underage should have access to any tobacco products, and that includes our tobacco products as well. And we work really hard to make sure that that doesn't happen. But I think what we need to remember is that you know, right now, use of tobacco products by youth is is at record lows, right, in, in our country. And I think there's a bunch of reasons for that, um, one being the FDA regulation of the product, increasing the age to 21. Um, and so, you know, if we look at data coming in from the government, the FDA, the CDC, you know, we see that youth use of products like Zin is really, really, 
low, right? It's about maybe 1%, um, and that's not even very frequent use. But to put that into reference, youth using at 1%, you know, that's way lower than youth use, youth use of alcohol, which is near 25%, or even cannabis, which is at about 20%. So, you know, it's really important that we keep youth from uh, using products like Zin and other tobacco products, but, you know, we have to be really frank about what the situation actually is. And do, does your company take steps to that would actually prevent use by young people underage? We absolutely do. We take it very, very seriously. So, you know, we don't use any social media influencers. Um, you know, if we get, we have gotten requests from, say, celebrities or sports figures um, to kind of partner with us, and we refuse all of those. Another thing we do is that, you know, our websites are age-gated and they're real age-gated. It's not one of those, are you 21, click this button. <laughs> if you try to come to our website, you actually have to put in your, your driver's license information and be third-party verified to get access. And if we do use social media, we only use platforms that allow us to age-gate. That is, people have to be 21 in order to see any of our content. Well, um, we've got a call for you, so let's... Uh... No, we don't. There we go. Hang on. Triple eight four one four zero three zero three. If you want to talk to our guest uh, about flavored tobacco, so let's let's talk about how this relates to S eighteen in particular. I was reading your testimony, and and um, so you testified saying that it would be a mistake for for uh, Vermont lawmakers to uh, enact a, a ban on flavored uh, tobacco. Yes, um, it absolutely would. I mean, if you think about it, it, it sounds very well-intentioned, right? Keep these products away from youth. But what we have to remember is that, you know, Vermont has about 16% of adults currently smoking cigarettes. That's higher than the national average, right? And, in fact, that's about 73,000 smokers um, in the state of Vermont, and about 1,000 of those die each year. And, and while that's tragic enough, it's also a huge burden on the state of Vermont as far as medical costs, right? Medical costs in Vermont from cigarette smoking are in the hundreds of millions of dollars, right? So what this bill would do is it would remove all of these uh, harm reduction products that are lower risk than combusted cigarettes from the market, right? It would take all those options away, leaving people only combusted cigarettes left. And that's before we even get into sort of the financial implications on the tax side. All right, well, let's go to the phones. Uh, good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Uh, perhaps you addressed this while I was waiting, but I'm a little confused. We started dancing around the issue. Did, did you testify in favor or against this bill that would ban um, flavored tobacco? I am, a, I am opposed to this bill. He's opposed to the bill, but that's why I asked you because it was it, it is a little you, you talk about the transition away from cigarettes, but this really is counterproductive in your opinion, the bill because it's just gonna they're gonna have just the option of old school combustible cigarettes the most harmful product correct and why why do you think that proponents of this are are wrong i mean they obviously seem to be coming at it with good intentions in terms of that they think that this is getting young young people addicted to something else because of the flavored, the flavored nature of it. I guess why why do you think that they are off base on that? Well, I mean, 
there's a couple of reasons, right? I mean, I think, you know, there's definitely CDC data that shows, say, you know, when um, youth began to use e-cigarettes, and those rates are falling as well, um, you know, they asked people, why do you use these products? And flavors was somewhere midway down the list. It was not the number one reason. I think the number one reason was kind of, um, you know, my friend was doing it or something like that. And that's why that increasing the age to 21 makes a really big difference, right? Because when the, the age of purchase is 18, you know, you have people in high school who can kind of get products for their friends. When you increase it up to 21, that kind of removes those social sources. So we know that these numbers are already reducing among the youth, and we know that adults in Vermont who currently smoke are at health risk, and so we're just completely taking away their chance to reduce their risk with F-18. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Hey, good morning. Um, so I was listening, and you were talking about your company. It's a product called Zinn. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that product taxed as a tobacco product if it doesn't contain tobacco, or are they taxing it because of the nicotine? Yeah, so, I mean, there's been a move recently, both at the federal and state level, that um, tobacco products are now being defined as pro- tobacco products or nicotine-containing products or uh, tobacco alternatives, tobacco substitutes. So it is, it is kind of lumped in with there, even though it contains no tobacco leaf. So my question is, if the state was really intent on protecting its citizens um, with a safer alternative such as Zinn, um, I'm just wondering why, why the heck they would want to tax it as the same as tobacco to try to get people off from tobacco. Exactly. There you go. You know, I, I think, you know, when you think about these harm reduction products with combusted products being the most harmful and all the harm reduction products being much less harmful, you want to regulate and you want to tax in a way that reflects that risk, right? You want the more harmful products to be, you know, more tightly regulated and higher taxed. And it gives an incentive for smokers to actually move down this continuum of risk, kind of reduce their exposure to all the bad things in combusted uh, tobacco smoke, and, and, and really, you know, benefit their health, the public's health, and, you know, Vermont in general. Well, we're going to take a real quick two-minute break. Anybody who wants to talk to the doctor uh, about this, uh, it's, it's interesting. Uh, give us a call, 888 you're listening to The Morning Drive with Kurt and Anthony on FM 96.3 and AM 620 WVMT. Welcome back to The Morning Drive, everybody, where we are continuing our discussion with Dr. Brian Urkula, and he is has testified in front of the Vermont legislature about uh, flavored tobacco, vape products, and he is opposed to the bill that's in front of the legislature right now. Um, Dr. Urkula, what do you, do you think there should be, should there be a bill of some kind? What would you, is there anything you would support in making changes? Because obviously we do want to make sure that our youth is not getting addicted. As we see numbers coming down for tobacco, we want to make sure they're not going in another different direction that's, that's also bad. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think there's a lot of things we could do. Um, you know, I don't know if you've heard recently, there's been a bit of an uproar about our product with Zinn um, on social media, right? And I want to be clear that these posts were not from us. This is from people who were smokers and switched to this product, or they switched from smokeless tobacco, and they really like the product, and they post about it on their websites. 
or on their TikToks, on their Instagrams. Um, those are not age-gated accounts. Those are their accounts. Um, we can try to get them take down, taken down so that youth don't see those, that social media content, but we have a lot of trouble doing it, right? A lot of the platforms um, say, you know, they're not really breaking any of our policies, so we're going to leave the posts up. So, I mean, I think there could definitely be, you know, something about um, user-generated content on social media that, you know, about tobacco and nicotine products um, that, that keeps that away from youth uh, eyes, right? And in addition to, to that sort of action, I think, you know, something people don't really understand, um, <clears throat> and pardon if you do already, but nicotine itself, the molecule, the chemical, does not cause cancer. But if you ask smokers, does nicotine cause cancer? About 60 to 70% of them think it does. So if you think nicotine causes cancer, why would you move to a product like Zin that also contains nicotine if you're still going to get cancer? So I think there's efforts that could be made um, on education to really help people understand. Um, You know, a really sort of interesting anecdote is that they ask that same question to, to physicians. Does nicotine cause cancer? And about the same percentage got it wrong. 70% of them thought it caused cancer, and that's the wrong answer. So there's some educational efforts here that I think could really move the adults who need to move away from combusted cigarettes as soon as possible. You know, that could be done. Uh, Dr. Urkel, I want to I read to you a little bit from Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids and then mm-hmm. get, get your response to what they say. I'm looking at their site here. They say kids aren't just experimenting with e-cigarettes. Many are using these products most days or every day, a sure sign they're becoming addicted. Over 46% of high school e-cigarette users are vaping at least 20 days a month and 30% are daily users. There's a number of of other things they say here. They call it an epidemic, but then they finish with, among other things they say, in the past few years, kids have shifted dramatically to disposable and menthol e-cigarettes two categories of products that were left on the market under current federal restrictions. These shifts show that the only way to end this crisis is to eliminate all flavored e-cigarettes. What's your response to that? Yeah. So, I mean, at first I want to point out, you know, uh, the way that these numbers are reported can be sort of done to someone's advantage, right? So we know that the rates of e-cigarette use from the FDA and CDC um, are not that high. We're talking about fractions of fractions of fractions when we're saying those 40 and 30% numbers. So the numbers have actually come down very low. Now, but you also mentioned something really interesting about disposable products, right? So the FDA was given authority over tobacco products um, in 2009, and it is their job to ensure that any product that is on the market has an authorization from the FDA to be on the market. The situation we find ourselves in now is that there are many, many, many millions of products being sold on the U.S. market that never went through that FDA process, right? So these products are coming in from China. These products are coming in from who knows, right? They're coming into the United States and they're being sold. So if the FDA were to, they have a huge backlog of all these uh, applications they're trying to go through. If they were to, you know, use their enforcement muscle a bit more, and get those counterfeit black market products off the, you know, off the market that, you know, youth would no longer have access to them. And the only products that would be on the market are ones that have gone through the rigorous FDA scientific process. 
So I think, you know, that's just some things that can be done to, to reduce that youth use that exists. All right, let's go, uh, let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Good morning. Um, I believe uh, Montpelier needs us back on the regular cigarettes because they get a, uh, a cut of the profits based on the 1998 uh, uh, settlement agreement with Big Tobacco. Do you think that's all that's going on here is that Montpelier needs us back on the cigarettes so they get a bigger portion of, the, uh, of their profits? I would like to believe that's not what is happening. Um, I think that maybe, you know, I think the youth use is being misunderstood in this bill. Um, You know, but what would happen if this were to go through? We kind of know from other states. Massachusetts is a really good example. So what they did is, is they put a ban on flavored tobacco products. And they lost about $140 million a year in um, taxes coming in from, from tobacco products. Uh, you know, so there would be a huge hit because of this. So you'd have your financial hit from the tax side. But again, we cannot forget the adult smokers who continue to suffer from health problems due to their combusted smoking. So they wouldn't get moved down the continuum of risk to less harmful products, many of which are flavored. So, you know, I think that would be the implication. There's also studies that show when you ban flavors in a locality, say San Francisco, they banned um, flavored tobacco products. And youth use rates of youth, youth use rates went down for electronic cigarettes, say, but they actually went up for combusted products. We're kind of incentivizing the wrong thing with bills like S18, and that's why we oppose it. So the numbers for people smoking combustible cigarettes, as you said, actually went up when they banned the flavored, flavored uh, tobacco products? Yeah, and among youth. Yeah, I, I think the reality is uh, you map it out very, very logically. Uh, <laughs> when you take this option away, first of all, uh, because the age of, of smoking has migrated l- later, fewer fewer kids are, are even trying tobacco products in general. And then when you take this option away, uh, it really is giving them the only other option, which is old school combustible cigarettes. The most harmful. Right? And, and there's data to support that as well. Absolutely. I think those are the, the, the key takeaways here today. And uh, what, what was that? We're basically, we're just about out of time, Dr. Urkla, but what, was the legislative committee you were in receptive to your message? Did they have some hard questions for you? I actually requested to speak to the Health and Human Services Committee, and they did not allow me to. Um, I did speak to the Ways and Means, and that's the testimony um, that you've seen, but um, they have not been super receptive on this on this matter and i really wish they would because i think s18 is misguided and should not be passed so you asked to speak to the health and human services committee and they rejected yeah they said i could submit written testimony but not speak all right uh dr brian urkula thank you for being on the show today on the morning drive we appreciate it all right thank you guys so much Thank you very much, Doctor. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we've got ABC News. Amanda's got the headlines, of course. We've got the Max Advantage forecast from Channel 3. And then uh, we're going to talk with Stuart Ledbetter. After 40 years, he's retiring. And uh, we're going to have him right here in the hot seat. Not that it's that hot. It'll be fun. A lot of fun talking to Stuart. Keep it right here on News Talk.